Really good to see you all this morning, and God bless you for being here. And oh, I was praying for Diane yesterday. How, how did everything go, Diana? Okay, okay. They kind of had a, you know, of course they had a funeral that they had to attend uh, down three and a half hours from here. And uh, Stan honestly has not been getting in and out of the car very much, and uh, I was a little worried about them, but it was a family member, and he really wanted to go. And uh, so by faith, they just took off yesterday at 6 o'clock in the morning. And uh, what time did you get home? Well, we didn't get home until then. Okay, all right. So big 12-hour day, yeah. Without my daughter and son-in-law, we could not have done that. Sure. They were Amen. I'm so glad Stan was able to go, though. Really, really happy about that. All right. So we were praying for you yesterday and uh, glad that things turned out well. Appreciate those who uh, kind of keeping up on Facebook with my grandparenting uh, issues and my wife's grandparenting issues as well. She's Mima and I'm Poppy. And uh, as of just a few minutes ago, we got uh, we uh, got another one. Uh, didn't cost me a thing. And so I'm just thrilled. Didn't cost me anything. And so, little baby girl, what's her name? Adeline, and it did cost you. Oh, it did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just haven't felt it yet, but it has cost me, yeah. Uh, my wife is taking off on a plane uh, tomorrow. That cost me a lot. And uh, she's going to be gone for about a week and a uh, week and a half helping uh, the baby and mom. And uh, she, somebody's got to watch those two grandbabies, right? So uh, she's going to go and take care of the little ones and give mom about a week and a half or so. So, uh, But anyway, we're thrilled about that. Little Adeline. So uh, anyway, good to see you all here this day. i got a couple of things to, uh, to say, and one of them I'm not sure if was mentioned or not, but uh, where's Randy Hendry? Did, did they say anything about the Habitat for Humanity? Yeah. A little bit. Okay. All right, so I told him I'm going to make room out there on the bulletin board. So uh, if you're interested in, in helping out with that, we're going to put more information out there. But uh, I really appreciate Randy Hendry uh, kind of being our representative for our church. Uh, there's representatives for most of the churches in town, and Randy's been going to the meetings. And uh, if we can help out with Habitat, we'd like to be able to do that. Um, so... Uh, Anyway, thank you very much, Randy, for that. And I will post that on the bulletin board so you can be part of that. This is a number of months away. It's not going to really start till May. But uh, if you would like to help out on a Saturday for a few hours, uh, once a month, you know, uh, a Tuesday or a Thursday, uh, that kind of thing, uh, we'd like to be a part of that and, and uh, at least be a help uh, along with a lot of other people. Also, uh, I have a note uh, that I wanted to read and this is uh, from the Cornelius family. Of course, a week ago uh, yesterday, we had uh, Marvin's funeral. Beautiful man. And uh, they have written to our church, said, Your kindness and thoughtful expression of sympathy is deeply appreciated and gratefully acknowledged. And um, love you all for your being so kind to Marvin. And uh, so that's from uh, Shirley and family. So God bless you as you start this new chapter of your life, but uh, what a wonderful heritage that you're able to give to your kids and uh, just thrilled in, about his faith and that he is in heaven today. And uh, he's in the services too. Uh, better services than here, but uh, anyway, the choir's better, the singing's better, the uh, preaching's better, but uh, anyway, he's, uh, he's there. And one day, hopefully, Lord willing, we'll be there too. And uh, all right, so uh, let's have a... Uh, 
uh, word of prayer here and we will uh, begin our services today. Hopefully everybody who wants a, a little piece of paper, you guys can share. If anybody didn't get one, uh, you know, kind of look over and I'm sure that there might be some extras. Heavenly Father, I just want to start, start today with a word of prayer and say thank you for a beautiful day. And this is truly a beautiful day. And I thank you, Lord, for your wonderful people that are here. And uh, these are people that have gotten up today and have decided to come to the house of the Lord and they've come to Lighthouse Baptist Church. And I'm just thrilled for that. And I pray, Lord, that you would bless them in their life. And I pray that they have a hunger to grow um, in their walk with you. And in this little thing that we call faith, uh, we want to grow in our faith. And so I pray, Lord, that you would help us to do that today. And may your word ring true today as we read it. In the name of Jesus Christ, uh, we pray these things. Amen. Amen. Uh, our passage today that we're just going to get started with, uh, you know, this is one of those preacher moments where uh, it ended up being so many passages that I really felt like I need to give you a piece of paper uh, so you can just kind of take that home and, and uh, look that thing over. But uh, anyway, hopefully you can follow along with me. But I, I just started off with uh, John chapter 20, which is, uh, of course, after the resurrection and uh, is a moment where... Uh, the uh, disciples had a uh, moment where they saw the risen Christ. And so uh, John chapter 20 is our passage today. And um, so uh, uh, John chapter 20, verse 19 says, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, they were kind of afraid of the Jews, uh, here comes Jesus. And he stood in the midst of them, and he said unto them, Peace be unto you. And, uh, and when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Uh, verse number 24 talks about Thomas, right? And so uh, Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. And so the other disciples therefore said unto him, Hey, guess what happened when you were gone? Uh, we, we saw the Lord. And then, of course, uh, Thomas's famous uh, response was, except I shall see in his hands the prints of the nails, right? And it, except I put my finger into the print of the nails, except I thrust my hand into the side that I know was stabbed with the spear, except all these things happen, I will not believe. Now, uh, here's what's interesting about this. Uh, isn't it interesting that uh, if I were to say certain names, if I were to say Osama bin Laden, uh, you would, your mind would aut automatically go to, well, he was the, the World Trade Center, the towers, 9-11, uh, right? If I were to say uh, the name Bernie Madoff, we probably, many of us still remember him, and what would you think in your mind? Ponzi scheme, thief, Right? Because uh, that's just what he's known for now. I mean, when I think of Bernie Madoff, I, I just think Benedict Arnold. Now, that, that goes back a little bit in history. What do you think of? Traitor. I mean, just the first thing. Judas Iscariot. What do you think of? Traitor, betrayer of Christ, right? When you think of Thomas, you think of what? The doubting Thomas, right? And so it all comes from this uh, pivotal moment where he says, except I put my fingers into his hands, thrust my hand into his side, I am not 
going to believe? Well, uh, so Jesus knew about that, and he solved that problem. And he said, uh, after eight days, verse 26, after eight days again, his disciples were within this room, and Thomas was now with them this time. Then came Jesus, uh, the doors being shut, and he stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. And then he just turned his attention straight to who? Thomas. Thomas, how's it going? Can you imagine Thomas's face at this moment? Eyes as big as saucers, mouth uh, open and agape, and uh, just going, ah, oh, like that. And uh, I, I'm sure. And then his, then he, his attention goes to him. All of a sudden, now he's center attention. All the disciples are looking at Thomas and saying, hey, hey, looky here. And Thomas, he goes, Jesus looks at him and says, hey, Thomas, um, go ahead. Uh, reach hither, right, thy finger. Behold my hand. Reach hither thy hand and put it in my side. Thrust it into my side. Because do not be what? Faithless. Do not be without faith. Um, but I want you to be believing. And Thomas just answered, I don't believe he reached his hand or his finger toward anything. He just said, my Lord and my God, right? I think uh, probably uh, bowing onto the ground and uh, he was uh, cha-ching, a believer. Um, no problem with belief now in Thomas. He was a doubter for a moment, but at, the, at this verse, he no longer was a doubter. And uh, by the way, he ended up uh, being a martyr for the cause of Christ as well. But Jesus makes this point, and we, we're talking about the philosophy of Jesus towards faith. That's kind of what we're looking at today. And uh, he, he nails it on the, by the way, he's really preaching. Uh, this, is a, this is a moment of rebuke for, verse 29 is not uh, Thomas's favorite verse in the Bible. Because when, when it says, uh, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. But he says, blessed. I'm thinking of some people in the, a decade from now, a century from now, a millennium from now that believe in me and they've never seen me, but they believe, right? Blessed art thou because you believe, but blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. And so um, Thomas... Uh, was the really the front man for a message and a teaching that Jesus had that applied to the disciples and it applies to us today. And that is, is that um, the cornerstone for all of Christianity is this thing we call faith. If you don't have the faith, you don't have Christianity. And so the, the kingpin that everything rests upon, the axis point upon which everything swings, the foundation upon which everything in Christianity is set is on this thing that we call faith. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet believe. And so this was a slam. It was a rebuke. It was a correction, if you will, because he said, I cannot have the believers I'm envisioning and that I know are going to come. They're not going to be able to have it if they don't have faith. And how are they going to have faith if one of my disciples doesn't have faith? And so I want you to believe in me. But I want them to believe and yet never to have seen me. And so uh, the problem was uh, the lack of faith. Um, listen, as I look through Matthew through John... There are not many messages that Jesus preaches 
and teaches more than the idea of faith. Thus, you have papers in your hand because I wanted to demonstrate to you just a, the tip of the iceberg of some of the messages throughout the Jesus ministry where he was leading us in a direction, followers in Christ, leading them in a direction toward this thing that we call faith. Faith is the one element that many of those who are outside these walls and have nothing to do with God, that is the one element that they, they would accept Christianity if it were more a fact-based uh, uh, belief system, right? If it were more, if you had more proof, if you were able to see it, then I'm able to believe it. But that is not the cornerstone upon which our belief system is uh, foundation. It is on the basis of faith. So there are not many messages that Jesus preached on more than the idea of faith. And this is the thing that he taught over and over again. So Jesus teaching faith is what we're going to talk about today. Uh, how does faith interact with the Christian life? Jesus teaches us that our faith will help us throughout all of our life. Every part of my life as a believer in Christ, a child of God, uh, is based on faith. Faith is, is a gift, a mechanism, if you will, that God has given to us, right? That uh, uh, God wants every one of his children to have this thing that we call faith. So faith is to be engaged when we are in need. And we find that over and over again in the teachings of Christ. Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 30 talks about, it says, Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is today, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? I just want to pause here for a second and let you know, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know what's going on uh, at this particular moment. Most of the time, when the snow begins to fall, we get uh, an elevated uh, number of phone calls for people that are in need. But something has happened in the last few weeks where we are just being bombarded almost every day. Uh, I got home last night. Uh, well, I got a phone call last night at 1130 at night. Uh, and uh, this woman had been uh, calling me and, and was in desperate need. Honestly, she, she really was in desperate need. And um, I'm, I'm not sure what's going on, but uh, it seems like more and more people are in need. Just a couple of days ago, I had a, a lady in the office that she was talking about uh, needing help with electric bill and uh, that kind of thing. And so uh, we, uh, we rarely turn anyone away. So we help everyone that comes through the door. Uh, and so um, uh, we helped uh, these uh, different people. And we've helped a lot of people over the last couple of weeks. But uh, the lady that I talked to in there, I, I could just tell her concern was so uh, drastic about her electric bill. And I said, uh, you know, one of the questions I asked many of them is, is, do you go to church? And I try to explore, do they have faith in the Lord and that kind of thing? And many times the answer is no. And I said, uh, I really want to encourage you to have faith in the Lord. Start going to church, begin praying, uh, begin finding this thing uh, about faith, accepting Christ as your Lord and Savior. And, and I try to turn their physical need into uh, the fact that their spiritual life can really be an answer to that. And the, re the reason is, is because in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus was addressing this and he says, I know you're all worried about clothing. I know you're worried about food. I know you're worried about your shelter and how am I going to pay the rent and all that kind of stuff. But he says, but here's what the message is. It's, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. 
counterintuitive? Yes. Seems like when my need is, and I'm getting the pink slips from my, uh, my landlord, that the, my number one need is to pay my rent. No, he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And so sometimes a physical need is a sign that we need to get a, a, spiritual, an, a, a spiritual adjustment. I don't want to talk about spiritual things until my electric bill is paid. I understand that. I, I totally understand that. I really do. But uh, as somebody who's able to help you with that, I want to just tell you that really you need to also look at the spiritual side of things and say, I need to start turning all of these things over to God. God, would you help me? Uh, God, you see that this bill is coming up and it's due. You see that my job is, is filtering out. You see that I, I, uh, my unemployment is gone and you see my, my, uh, the balance in my checkbook. You see all of these things. Would you help me with that? And it's an amazing thing as we put him first in this, and have faith in him is that he takes care of these needs. Now listen, we sit in a group of folks here uh, from people that are, I, I believe that there are people that are here today that are seekers, meaning they don't have Christ as their Lord and Savior. And we have people that have been saved here and have been walking with the Lord for uh, 60, 70 years, okay? So we really run the gamut here in terms of the maturity of uh, the believers that are here. But let me tell you something. If I were to ask some people to start standing up on this side and on this side, I know for a fact we would get tens of dozens of people to say, I have had this catastrophe in my life and I turned it over to the Lord and he answered my prayer and he helped me through this situation and this and, and I'm talking about people that are facing bankruptcy I'm talking about people that are paying their bills with their credit cards I'm talking about people who are as low as you possibly can be I could point some of them out because I know their stories I could point some of these people out which I'm not going to do uh, but I could and matter of fact, if I asked them to, I think there are some people that would stand and say, I want to give a testimony to say that I was down to the, to the last. I was lower than a snake's belly. I was in trouble. And I began turning to the Lord, and he's helped me through those things. And now he's gotten me to a point where he's actually blessed me. You see, this is uh, the faith thing. And so um, when is faith to be engaged in our life? It's to be engaged when we are in need. I know you uh, are concerned about that, but Jesus is looking out at a group of people and he says, hey, listen, if, if I take care of the sparrows and I make sure that they're fed, and if I clothe the grass of the field and I make sure that you wake up and you go, oh, isn't that a beautiful field there? And I'm the one who put all of that on them. Are you not much more worthy? Are, are, don't I love you more than them? God looks down upon you as people and me as people, and he says, I want to take care of your needs. But here's what I want. I want you to put me first in your life. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So in verse number 30 of Matthew 6, it says, Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is today and tomorrow is cast in the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Faith is to be exercised in a moment of need. I love the story, uh, the testimony of the lady that had nothing that we heard just a few years ago. And her kids had nothing to eat. They had nothing. But she was a believer in God. She was somebody who was praying. And she went down to the store. 
And she stood in line with a few little groceries, not knowing how it was all going to work out. God, I'm just trusting in you. Now, let me tell you something. This is when faith is engaged. Do we like to be in a line with no food? I mean, with no money and, and no provisions? Do we like to get to that point? We hate it. But this is when God says, this is when I want you to start turning to me. And I want to, you to uh, trust in me. And as she's standing in line there, not knowing how the whole thing's going to work out, not sure, all of a sudden that man came through the door and knowing that she was somebody that was in need, says, hey, put those groceries on my account. And then she just goes, isn't that amazing? I mean, what a testimony. What a moment. This is, this is the, the fork in the road right here. This is put up or shut up time. Right. And then there's just this thing. I know God's going to take care of me. I don't know how it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. Faith is not just this flowery thing that's beautiful. Sometimes it's nasty and it's I say it's nasty. It's it's tough. It's hard. It's hard to pull your arms out like this and close your eyes and just begin to fall into the arms of Christ. That's it's not an easy moment. It's not a, a rejoicing moment even. It's like, I know I have nowhere else to turn, but I'm going to trust in Christ. And I'm going to seek him first, and I'm going to ask him to take care of me. After it's over, and after the groceries are paid for, and after you get back home, then it's beautiful. Then it's wonderful, and then it's uplifting, and then it puts a big smile on your face. But when you go through it, and you're not sure how it's going to work out, but you're just trusting, it's hard. But that's when he says, I want faith. Blessed are those who, without seeing, believe and trust. That's what he told Thomas. He goes, I'm going to have a whole army of people that are going to take their whole life in their hands, and they're not going to see the nail print, and they're not going to be able to put their hand into my side. But I want them to believe as well. And so faith is to be something that is engaged when we're in need. Faith, this belief, is something that is to be engaged when you're in danger as well. And he, uh, in another passage, Matthew 8, verse 26, And he said unto him, Why are you fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose, and he rebuked the wind and the sea, and there was a great calm. And most of us know where they were at. They were on, in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, and there was a horrible storm. The boat was starting to take on water. Jesus was sleeping, and uh, they came to him, We're going to die! We're going to die! And uh, so what does he say? Oh, ye of little faith. He says, I want you to have faith in me when you're in danger. I mean, when you are in complete and utter danger. And so Jesus is teaching us here today, who do you call on when you're in danger? Do you try to work your way out of a problem? Do you try to work it uh, all by yourself? Or do you try to have faith in God? Listen, uh, you read throughout the, the scriptures beautiful stories of Daniel uh, when he was a young man ca in captivity in Babylon, that he trusted and had faith in the Lord. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, had faith. They said, whether or not uh, our God will deliver us or not from this fiery furnace, we know not. But one thing we know, we're not going to bow to you. We're going to have faith in God. And they had beautiful faith. Uh, the book of Nehemiah is a beautiful book that begins in the very first chapter where the servant-slave cupbearer, which is, uh, had a pretty 
cushy job, honestly. Uh, Cupbearer is somebody that uh, was a, a slave that had come in and before a king was to drink uh, from a certain cup just to know that there was no poison in it, you had a cup bearer. And so he would bear the cup and he would take a drink and if if he didn't die and croak, uh, then the king would say, hey, it's safe for me to drink uh, of this substance as well. Nehemiah was supposed to serve the king and by the way, you are never supposed to be sad in front of the king. But Nehemiah loved Jerusalem. Jerusalem was in shambles at that particular time, although there was a, a group that was uh, going back, but they had no wall around Jerusalem. There was poverty, there was problems, and he had just heard about that, and, uh, and he just let himself slip. So he walks in front of the king's presence, and he's just like, sad. And all of a sudden, the king says, uh, Nehemiah, you're sad in front of me. And uh, can, I, can I read to you what it says in Nehemiah, uh, chapter 2, actually, Verse number uh, two, it says, why is thy countenance sad, seeing thou, thou, you're not sick, but this is nothing else but sorrow of heart. And the Bible says then, the next, next sentence says, then was I very sore afraid. <laughs> it's like, he's not supposed to be this way before the king. A king could just execute him. And so he was very sore afraid. And so he says, Nehemiah, and he had a relationship with the king. He says, what's your problem? And he began to say, well, you know, my people are in captivity and things are not going well in Jerusalem. And so I'm sad. And so the king then looks at him and he says, what do you want me to do about that? And now this is the moment, right? And so what does uh, Nehemiah do at that particular moment? Uh, it, the Bible says in verse number four, uh, and then the king said unto me, for what dost thou make request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. You know what that is? That's whispering a prayer in a very dangerous moment where he just, Lord, please help me. And that's what Nehemiah did. That's what many of the great uh, men of the Bible did. They whispered a prayer in a moment of danger. And uh, that's what we're supposed to do as well. Uh, four months ago, there was a woman in Jerusalem who got onto a bus and her, her name is uh, Marie Veldman. I don't know if you remember this story or not, but uh, she was in Jerusalem um, and got on this bus and uh, the bus stopped at a particular bus stop and uh, on walked two terrorists and uh, they had guns and knives, okay? And their, their, pro their objective was to kill people. And so uh, Marie was in the very front seat and, um, well, not in the front seat because the terrorist kind of sat, sat before they did their attack, uh, this young man uh, sat right in front of her. And uh, then all of a sudden the attack began and uh, he just started pointing at people and shooting and uh, held up a knife and to this elderly woman and uh, stabbed her. And uh, as soon as she, she got stabbed, uh, she, had, she knew nothing, she didn't know anything else to do, something kicked in called Faith of a Christian. She's a Christian woman. And uh, she started screaming out the name of Jesus. Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. As they are, uh, as he is beginning to stab her, uh, she just calls out the, uh, uh, 
she says, they began to cry, Allah Akbar, which is what they do. Uh, and, and then the news report goes on, says, uh, the man in front of me began stabbing me with a knife. The other man started shooting. People screamed very loudly. It was awful. I cried constantly. I said, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, help me, help me. And she said, as soon as she, the moment that she started crying out for Jesus to, to uh, help her, she says, when she did this, uh, she said her attacker ran away immediately uh, to the back of the bus and the attack was over. And uh, so she wanted to give, and I've got a picture of her uh, in her hospital bed smiling and saying that that's what she did. She just turned to Jesus right away. You know what? In, in heaven, uh, during that moment when she was calling out to the Lord, uh, you know what was going on? Jesus was smiling and saying, you know, she is having faith in me, turning to me during this moment of violence. And uh, she uh, expressed her faith in the Lord during that danger. Would I like to be able to stand up here and say that every time you call on the name of Jesus, nothing bad ever happens to you? I, can't, I cannot say that. But I do know this, is that God sees it and that he will care for you. Sometimes he intervenes and uh, the attack stops and you uh, arrive in safety. And sometimes, as is the case with many, are you a Christian? You are the ones who die, you know? But I'll tell you what, when, you, when she said, when the little girl from Columbine said, I am a Christian, when the, when the young people from those uh, other attacks stood up and said, yes, I am a Christian. I like what James McDonald says. The first person who died that said, I am a Christian was not the most courageous Christian. The most courageous Christian was the second one who said, yes, I am a Christian. But people are standing up and proclaiming their, their faith by faith and saying, yes, I am. And uh, uh, it, it is a wonderful thing. And that's what we're supposed to do. Our faith is supposed to be engaged during a time of need. If you have any need whatsoever, you are to turn to the Lord for that. Your faith is to be engaged during a time of trouble and danger as well. Number three, faith is something that is supposed to be engaged when you have messed up royally. Have you ever messed up royally? I have. And uh, that's when we are supposed to do it. Uh, kind of an interesting little story of uh, the disciples. One was supposed to have the responsibility of making sure they had bread and food, and uh, they did not do it. Uh, Matthew 16, verse 18, which uh, when Jesus perceived that they were really... Um, Afraid because they had thought that Jesus was getting on to him for not bringing bread. He says, uh, oh, you have little faith. Listen, you've messed up, but don't you think I can fix it? He says, why reason ye among yourselves because ye have brought no bread? If you were to continue reading that passage, he goes on to say, don't you remember what I did with the 5,000? How many baskets did you, uh, of, of just the, uh, the leftovers, uh, did you have left over? Uh, and don't, don't you know that I can feed the 3,000 and the 5,000? I can, I can make bread. Uh, hey, listen, if you've messed up, you need to understand I have the ability uh, to fix it. And so, O ye of little faith. So our faith is to be engaged when you've messed up. Listen, when you have sinned and you've fallen for some uh, temptation, whatever, here's what you need to do. You need to humble yourself. You need to surrender yourself. You need to fall on your knees before the Lord and ask him to forgive you of your sins. And guess what? You say, well, where does the faith come in? I have faith that he will hear my prayer. He will forgive my sin and he will help me 
uh, through this situation. And so uh, confess your faults, confess your mistakes. When you messed up royally as a father, confess that to the Lord. Ask him to help uh, fix that. If you've sinned, confess that to the Lord, uh, whatever it is. Because here's what I know. God loves to show his power to fix the messes that we've made and make things right when we go to him in faith and asking him to help us with that. And I have found through my life, through a, I've got a few mess ups in my repertoire, right? Uh, that uh, every time I've gone to the Lord and asked him to help me with this, I made a wrong turn here. I made a wrong decision there. I didn't trust the Lord in this particular area. Whatever it is, as I have gone to the Lord and asked him to help fix the things in my life over and over again, he can turn that which was bad into that which is good. And uh, it is God's will uh, to, uh, to help you and I through our lives if we will just go to him with humility. Many of us are out right there because we don't have the humility. Well, pride says, I'm going to cover it up. Pride says, I'm going to look at it and say, that's not my fault. Uh, I'm going to deny it. Pride says, hey, that's not so bad. Hey, it's nothing that so-and-so hasn't done. You know, pride nixes the whole thing right there. God's not going to do anything for those people. But when you go to him and say, you know what? Uh, I messed up as a husband and I said things I shouldn't have said. And uh, I apologize. Lord, would you help my wife to forgive me for this uh, particular issue? Guess what? The Lord's going to enter into that family scenario and he's going to help you through that. And so God uh, has helped me many times throughout my life. And so faith is something to be engaged when you've messed up. And these are just a few things. But then, then the final thing is uh, faith is something that is to be engaged when you need healing. And I'm so thankful that we have a, a good group of people uh, in our church. And we've had times over the last 20 years where we have just turned to the Lord in faith that God would heal. And uh, I, I think many of you are praying for many of the people in our church. Uh, and I pray for them every day. I pray for Scott Brunk, who was told he will be dead in, in two years. Well, he's made it over a year now. And uh, he has the worst kind of cancer in his liver that you could ever have. I mean, it's just, it is horrible. The doctors uh, said, uh, your cancer is like a roller coaster that uh, had been going on for 10 years in his body. It's like very slow going up. He says, in my, my estimation, and I've seen it many times, uh, you're about halfway down on the fast end of the roller coaster is where you're at in your life. That's where you are. And uh, when Anna asked, uh, have you ever seen anybody survive this? Uh, just hope, looking for some hope, maybe a, a research, maybe a, a testing drug, something out there. And he says, I've been at this for 30 years. I've never seen anybody survive, not one person. And that is the prognosis that they've been living with. And so every night before we go to bed, we get down on our hands and our knees and get on my face before the Lord. And I pray that the Lord would continue to help him be healthy. His testimony uh, today is that he feels better today than he's felt for many years in his life. You know what I think? I, when when uh, it's time for healing, it's time for our faith to be engaged and then ask God for the impossible. And then thank God for every day that he does uh, give to us. That is for sure. And so that's what we're supposed to do. And I look at different passages, maybe Mark 9, and I got it on your paper there, uh, where the, the father had a son that he loved tremendously, but uh, he, he had a health issue, he had a spiritual issue, um, he had a, a, a 
a demon possession situation. And uh, Jesus said, you, he can be healed. Verse 23 says, Jesus said unto him, if thou canst believe, uh, all things are possible to him that believeth. You need healing? It, it is possible. And, straight, and straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. Jesus said, if you believe, all things are possible. And so uh, we, we find that that is uh, certainly uh, possible uh, for us as well. And so uh, our faith is something to be engaged uh, in terms of healing. From the little mundane things to the most devastating news you could ever, prognosis you could ever get from the doctor, we are to have faith in the Lord that God would help us uh, through those uh, situations and those problems and trials. So this is what God wants us to do. He says to Thomas, he goes, listen, you're kind of blowing it here and I've got to get you lined out. Uh, you've got to be a believer. I've got to have all my disciples be believers because faith is the kingpin upon which everything I'm about to build is, is hinged here. And so finally, my Lord and my God, uh, Thomas believed. He says, I'm glad you believe, but blessed are those who believe and have not seen. And then he's talking about you and he's talking about me. I've never seen a Christophany, a, a, a vision of Christ coming here. I've never had one of those. But I'll tell you what, I have had moments where I've known that the Lord was with me. And I know that he spoke to me. And I know that he was with me and he helped me through uh, different issues. I've been, I was, I didn't have time, but uh, I was going to try to illustrate that, uh, you know, they took away one of our planets, I guess. Uh, was it Jupiter or what was it? Pluto. Pluto was taken away, yes. Uh, well, now they think that there's another one uh, out there. And have they seen it? No, they have not. And this is, there's, there's a good spiritual uh, uh, illustration here. I didn't have time to, to develop it, but I'm going to develop it again. I'll, I'll give this to you again uh, one day. But uh, I just wanted to mention it. They haven't seen it. They cannot see it. But here's what they do see. They see things that are affected around it. And they go, we know there's something there, even though we can't see it. Uh, there is uh, space dust that uh, they have noticed uh, kind of gets out of its way. There's an orbit uh, in the orbit uh, around it. Things are affected. And so they're going, we know it's there. We just can't see it. Hey, guess what? I know Christ is here. Have I ever seen him? No, I've never seen him. But the things in my life have been altered and things have happened in my life that I know that he's there. And so um, just like the scientists believe there's another planet, I as a Christian believe that there is a Christ. He loves me. He's the savior of my life. And I know so because of the unexplicable, unexplainable situations that have happened in my life that have affected me in this way. And so uh, Jesus wants us to believe these things and for faith to be engaged at different moments in our life, these and many others. And so Jesus also teaches us uh, for those who are looking for a way out, that's me. I uh, Any instruction to go this way, I look, why can't I go that way? You know, and uh, that's my personality as well. Just ask my wife. She knows me. Uh, I, I just don't accept anything on face value, right? And so um, I'm the same way. If there's anyone out there that's going, oh, maybe there's a shortcut. Maybe there's a different way. I don't really like the idea of having to believe and have faith and trust and all of that stuff. Uh, I don't feel good about doing that. I'll tell you this much. There is no other way to please God other than faith. So look at your uh, Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. Right? 
For we must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. God looks down upon you and he says, you're looking for another way to get to me? You can't do it. You have to have faith in my son, Jesus Christ. Place your faith and trust in him. And that through that is salvation. Through that, you will find your relationship with me. You cannot please God without faith. There's no shortcuts here. Not only that, uh, any time you have a need in your life and you lack faith, that need will go unanswered, right? James 1, verse number 6 says, But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. He that wavereth is like a wave of the sea. Lord, so here's the prayer. Lord, if you're out there, if you even care, if you're there at all, would you help me with this particular issue? And he's like going, uh, sorry, I couldn't hear that. You know, uh, no, uh, the answer is no. I'm not going to answer a prayer like that. He that wavereth is like the wave of the sea being tossed to and fro. He says, for let not that man think that he shall receive anything from the Lord. That's not what moves God. What moves him is saying, I believe that you love me. I believe that you you want the best for me. And I believe you want me to believe in you and trust in you and come to you with my needs. And so here I come. I'm going to ask you to take care of these needs. And so um, there's no other way around it. Uh, And so this is what he teaches us, that there's no other option. Faith is the only way uh, to receive any help from God. And then finally, Jesus teaches uh, and rewards uh, faith. And so we look, as we're talking about Jesus teaching this idea of faith from Matthew all the way to the book of John, right? And uh, every incident, with, and many incidents within uh, the ministry of Christ, um, he begins to tout and reward faith, right? So what's it say? Matthew 9, 22. Jesus turned him about when he saw her. She, he said, daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. So when the, wo- when the woman had the issue of blood and she'd been suffering with that for many years, what did it take for her to touch the hem of his garden, garment? It took faith. She had faith engaged in her heart that he had the answer for her. And as she reached out to him and touched the hem of his garment, Jesus wanted to, he said, who touched me, right? He says, I want to talk to her, right? I want to know who it was. So he looked her right in the eye. He said, the reason I want to acknowledge your healing is for one reason only, because I want to teach you something. I want to teach you that it wasn't the hem of my garment that healed you. It's not that this robe is something to be worshipped and everyone's got to touch it. Here's what healed you. Your faith healed you. And so he rewarded her with the, with the understanding, thy faith hath made thee whole. When he looked to blind uh, Timaeus, right? He was crying by the wayside, Lord Jesus. And people were saying, oh, just would you shut up? Be quiet. Uh, You're causing a scene right here. And he comes up to him and says, what do you want me to do? And um, he he cried cried a great deal, the Bible says. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus uh, comes up to him and uh, what do you want? And he healed him. He says, I want to receive my sight. And Jesus said to him, go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight. And follow Jesus in the way. And I don't care if we're talking about the sinful woman uh, in Luke 7, verse 50, uh, who uh, bowed down before Christ and washed. Uh, she, he said to the sinful woman, hey, the sins are forgiven. You are saved. Thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. The, the one that had leprosy, thy faith hath made thee hold, he says. And so faith is something that was taught and has been taught and is taught in our belief system.
faith is not just a, an idea. It's not a noun. Uh, it, is, it, is, it is something that's real. It's something that's powerful within our belief system that as we have faith in him, that is the thing that engages the power of God. And so he says, Jesus says to Thomas, blessed are those who don't see and yet believe. God loves to see us to have faith in him first and foremost. First, not at the end of the road, not when all, everything else you've tried is, is, is uh, gone by the wayside. Then fall in love with him. Then uh, turn your trust in him. He likes for us to do it right now. So what do we have to do? Uh, let's, let's end today with uh, the other side of your page is how to grow in your faith. Here's just a couple of thoughts. Uh, faith is actually something that begins with the beginning of your relationship with him. And so the Bible says we must believe that he is so that he exists. We have to believe that God exists, right? And, uh, and uh, we have to believe that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He is a rewarder of those who uh, turn to him. Right. And so in order for you to get anywhere in this thing, in terms of your relationship, your relationship with Christ begins by faith. I believe you are the son of God. I believe that there is a God. First of all, let's just I believe that Jesus and uh, is the creator of the world. He is the savior of the world. Um, uh, he is the the savior of my sins. He's the only one who can forgive me of my sins. And I believe that God loves me and he wants me to be one of his children. So then we play. Here's what we do. We throw our arms out. We close our eyes and we believe that as we confess our sins to him, he will forgive us. We believe that as we ask him to be our Lord and savior, come into our life and give us eternal life so that when we die, we go to heaven. It is throwing your arms out, closing your eyes and you are falling backward. And you are having faith that that is what God wants. And that is the thing that gives us the power to do that. For with the mouth, confession is made into salvation. Whosoever receiveth him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Right? And so um, uh, we must believe in the existence of God. We must believe in who Christ is. And we must place our faith and trust in him. Believe, receive, cleave. And spend the rest of our life uh, having faith in him. And number two, uh, we must ask the Lord to help our faith. I like what that one guy said. He says, if you believe anything can happen to you, and the, the father of the poor boy that was suffering, he says, I believe, I do have faith, but would you help, in the areas that I don't believe, would you help thou mine unbelief? Would you help me? You know what? Listen, as you have faith in God and you want that, that to grow, guess what we're supposed to do? We are by faith supposed to ask God for more faith so that it will grow. Listen, your whole life from the point where you are now, however old you are, I'm 53. I don't know how many more years the Lord has for me, but here's what I want. And here's what I believe God wants. He wants my faith that I have right now, whatever size that faith is. By the time I'm 54, I want it to be greater. Uh, Faith is something that is a lifelong ambition that it grows and grows and grows. It is something that can grow where we depend more and we trust more. So uh, how do we grow our faith? We ask the Lord to help our faith and, um, and let it go from being uh, from your head to your heart, receiving, surrendering, uh, depending, falling into the arms of Christ. And then in terms of faith as well, uh, is a, it becomes a habit of looking to the invisible. I know we're all hooked on this. We've got to see it to believe it. 
Uh, we don't know anything unless we can see it and touch it and feel it. And our senses are engaged in that thing. Listen, we need to live in such a way where we realize that sometimes uh, the problems that I'm facing in my life are a result of spiritual stuff going on. To where the weapons, that uh, the stuff that I'm fighting against is not necessarily uh, flesh and blood. But sometimes the emotions I'm having, sometimes the problems I'm facing in my life are nothing less than spiritual warfare. I begin looking to the invisible stuff and saying, I know Satan wants to destroy me with this. Sometimes, gentlemen, things might pop up on your screen and guess who's behind that? It's, it, it is somebody that you can't even see, that you don't even know is an enemy. But Jesus looked at Peter and he said, Peter, I want to let you know something. That Satan wants to get you. He wants to crush you in his hand like wheat and make flour out of you. And that is a spiritual warfare. Listen, in order for our faith to begin to grow, here's what we need to do. We need to start looking to the invisible. I know that sounds kind of weird. But we have to understand sometimes the things that are going on uh, aren't necessarily all that we can see. But we have to be able to uh, start realizing uh, that that is true. Whether or not... It is something that's bad that's happening to me, uh, or it's something that's good. Uh, hopefully, you still have in your, on your paper the Second Corinthians uh, passage. But look at this: uh, "For which cause we faint not, but though uh, through an outward, but though an outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed uh, day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more and exceeding eternal weight of glory." Verse eighteen. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. I look to the invisible when I have a bad day. And then when I think of heaven and I think of uh, all that God has in store for me, I look to the invisible uh, when I'm having a good day as well. And uh, I realize that the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which I'm looking forward to are not seen. These are the things that are eternal. And my mind is switched to this perspective. Listen, there's a lot of people out there, and I talk about people out there a lot, but there's a lot of people out there, their whole life really revolves around everything they can see. And if they can't see it, they really don't want to even think about it. But listen, for me and for what I see in Scripture, we are to begin looking to the things that are not seen and begin to understand that there are things that are out there. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, This is my life. This is the life of a Christian. For we walk not by sight, but by faith. For we walk by faith and not by sight. And that is to be my life, is that I'm getting used to the fact that there are things, there are more things out there than just the things I can see. There are other things. And so uh, look to the invisible. Uh, in terms of growing your faith, uh, uh, read the instruction book, which is the Word of God. We can read the stories of people who've lived by faith. Oh, you have to, Hebrews 11 is a good starting point, and that'll talk to you about a lot of different individuals. Then you can uh, look up their story uh, in different portions of the, of the Scripture, but it gives you a little synopsis of uh, what God loves about them and the fact of how much faith. Then follow the instructions as, as well uh, that we find in the Word of God. James 1 is a, is a fantastic uh, passage of Scriptures for that as well. Um, 
you know, in terms of our faith beginning to grow as well, begin to ask for the impossible. Nothing is impossible with God. And so we can begin asking for these things. When you begin asking for things that others would just give up on, you know that something's growing inside of you called faith. And that's a good thing. And so uh, we want our faith to begin to grow. And uh, so that's, that's uh, what we... Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, right? And so, uh, ladies and gentlemen, can I just close by asking this question? If you have kids uh, here today, um, do your kids see you? Do they see your faith? Um, are, you teaching, are you teaching your children to live by faith? Or is it all by sight? Um, not just living the Christian life, not just living right, not just uh, living honestly, uh, not just trusting in Christ for salvation, but is your life enveloped with this idea that God sees me and that God knows all about it? He has great things in store for me. And um, when situations are tough in your life, do they see your faith in the Lord beginning to be engaged? Do they know that you turn to the Lord first in every part of your life? Or do uh, they see you falling apart? Do they see panic? Do they see uh, everything that uh, is really evidence of no faith being there? Do they see you falling confidently with your arms open wide into the arms of the Savior? Um, and when there is a need, do they see you asking uh, when there's a need or illness or danger or crisis or all the things we talked about, do they see your faith beginning to be engaged? Do your kids know that your motto is, one thing I know, he never leaves us nor forsakes us. God knows all about it. And so um, that is something that we are to uh, begin to grow in. It has been, honestly, my privilege. One of the things that I think has changed my life, honestly, is that at times in my life, he has put me around people that have had great faith. And uh, that has moved me as much as anything else I can ever uh, acclaim in my life to really been impactful for me is that God has put me about around people where I look, wow, good night. Did you hear what they said? Did you, boy, they, they have such strong faith. I love being around people with strong faith that uh, just trusts in the Lord. And the reason is, is because that's what God wants us to have. He wants us to have a belief system and a faith in him that he will help us through this life. And so um, as Christians, may God help us to grow in our faith. Do you need help with that? You know what? Today would be a great day for you to say, Lord, I, I kind of see a few areas in my life where I don't trust you the way I should. And I want my faith to begin to grow, that you're going to help me through it. If you're not going to help me get, uh, get uh, if you're not going to help me uh, get rid of a problem, you'll at least help me all the way through that problem. You'll hold my hand all the way through it. And we'll, we'll get through this together. And I know that you'll help me. Uh, is, there, is there an area of faith in your life that needs to grow? Can I just tell you, God is up in heaven and he's saying, this is the message. Whether if you're not born again and you're not saved, you need to engage your faith for salvation, to believe in him. You need to pray today and trust in Christ as your Lord and Savior. Get rid of that thing and have a personal relationship with Christ. And if you've been saved for 70 years, he's looking at you and saying, you know what, you haven't grown in your faith lately. It's not something that you're reaching toward. It's not something you're depending more on me. And I want your faith to grow in me and trust in me. And not just everything you see, 
but begin uh, trusting in me and who you don't see. Let's all stand, if you would. Father in heaven, thank you so much for today. Thank you, Lord, for the, the uh, message that you brought to us here today, Father, and uh, the message of faith. And I think that we've uh, properly uh, prepared people to understand that sometimes faith is a scary place to be. It's a scary room to be in. And um, I don't like having to live by faith. I don't like having to be in a position like that. And Father, you know us. You know that we don't. But Father, sometimes you place us in those positions so that our faith would grow. And so Father in heaven, I pray that you would be pleased today with our hearts as we are coming before you and saying, Father, mold me into the man you want me to be. Mold me into the woman you want me to be. Help me to grow in my faith. And so, Father, I pray that that would be the heart beat and the prayer of every person that's here today. Lord, increase our faith in you. Help us to trust in you. Help us to show this world what it looks like for people who believe in, in a God that loves them. And uh, uh, help us show the world what it looks like for people that have true faith in you. And so I pray, Lord, that you would bless as you increase us when you grow us and you help us, Father, in this area. As we know it's something that pleases you every step forward that we make in this area. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would grow our church in the idea of faith. And uh, we will thank you, Lord, for it as we depend on you every day for everything, every need. And uh, we will thank you, Lord, for that. So, Father, would you uh, speak to us at this moment? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Heads bowed and eyes closed today. If God's spoken to your heart today, right now is a great time to come before the Lord, whatever your need is. Come before the Lord and, and give him a chance. Tell him that you want to grow in your faith. Place it all at the feet of, of the Savior. Uh, spread your arms open wide. Close your eyes and fall into the arms of the Savior and depend on Him completely. Is it finances that you need to depend on the Lord? Then depend on the Lord. Is it a relationship that you have that you need to turn that thing over to Him and ask Him to help you with that? I've seen miracles happen in this regard. What is your need today that you need to come to Christ by faith? Maybe it's a physical need that you have. Maybe it's emotional. Maybe you feel like you're not quite on track. Well, listen, as you place your faith and trust in God, God will hear your prayer. God loves to be engaged when we come to him in faith. Let him show his power to you. Understand that if you come to the Lord and you don't have faith, let not that man think that he shall receive anything from the Lord. Understand that that's how God works. May you grow in your faith this week, this year, this particular point in your life. Whatever your need is, whatever your prayer is, may you come to the Lord today.